Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? How's it going? How, 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 how are you? Yeah. How's it going with you? Did you get that thing fixed? It'll grow out. It'll grow out, you know? I mean, it's been a long time since you've, you've had a nice haircut. You know, you forget. You forget. You, you forget that sometimes it takes time. Hey, it's okay if people think you're talking too loud. It's just a natural transition period we're all excited to not be crying we're excited to not have to be in the house all the time with the people we love barely we you know it's it's still a transition time nothing is normal there is no collective culture everything is fragmented nobody knows what the other person knows because we're drawing from different perceptions of reality different lenses different portals they're mining our minds and we are locking in to the one that suits that best has nothing to do with reality so nobody's on the same page but i hope you're well are you how's the finger how's the toe how's the leg how's the ankle how's the neck how's the ears the ears okay i'm telling you your hair looks fine all right i'm sorry you had to put the cat down i'm sorry you had to put the dog down i'm sorry the fish died the kids gotta learn sometime right i mean that's what fish are for not my idea How's it going, folks? Look, a couple of things on the mind. First of all, John Swab is here. John Swab is a director who directed the film uh, Body Brokers, which I liked a lot. Uh, that That's the reason I talked to Melissa Leo a while back. I also wanted to talk about it with Michael K. Williams. I mean, it's about drugs. It's about recovery. It's about the dark side of the recovery racket, the business, the rehab, the business. Moving money through the sickness of others. Something that happens a lot. I would argue that almost all of American capitalism is built on that one way or the other. But this was specifically about the uh, the rackets that grew out of the money being given uh, through Obamacare to rehab centers and rehab clinics and, and drug treatment related uh, medical procedures. I thought it was a great subject, a great move, very compelling, dark. But I talked to John. I wanted to talk to Swab about it. I watched his other movies. Is well, one of them. I couldn't find the other one. But I'll get back to that in a minute. I would like to tell people that do not know that Sword of Trust. This is the last film 
um, from Lynn Shelton, uh, my late girlfriend. Uh, it stars me and Michaela Watkins and uh, John Bass and Jillian Bell, uh, Toby Huss, Dan Backdahl. It's a great film, and it's now on Netflix. Sort of Trust can be watched on Netflix now. So if you'd like to enjoy that movie, if you've heard about it or you're curious about it, you can watch it. Also, the tour, my tour. It's not really a tour. Uh, I'll be doing some club dates in the near future. August 5th, 6th, 7th, I will be at the Comedy Works in Denver. I will be at Stand Up Live in Phoenix one night only, August 12th. I will be at Wise Guys in Salt Lake City, August 19th, 20th, and 21st. I will be at Helium in St. Louis, September 16th, 17th, and 18th. That's what I've got on the docket currently. I will be, I know I'm going to be up in Bloomington at some point. I don't know. Are those dates not up for sale? I don't know what's happening. Are they sold out? I'll look. I'll check. But if you'd like to see me, the Dynasty shows for the next three Thursdays are sold out. And I don't know if I talked to you guys about it, about entering. (laughs) I don't, I definitely didn't talk to you about it. I, uh, okay, so you know the process. I'm losing my mind. You know, I'm trying to put together an hour. I don't know how much I've got. I know I've probably got about 20, 30 minutes, probably in a lot of things that I'm curious about and talking about and want to talk about. But this is the next, this was the giant step forward. The big leap forward was to move from, the workout room, the comedy store, doing 15 to 20 every night, punching it out, uh, getting into the right groove, the right tone, uh, developing that relationship with the audience. Then last Thursday was the first night I was going to do the hour-long set, riff through it at Dynasty Typewriter. Haven't been, haven't done that much time in a long time. Granted, I've been doing some Instagram lives, whatever. You know, I get kind of hyper and weird and uh, insecure about certain things and concerned, you, you know, and uh, I was just ready to really kind of be with my audience so I could sort of open my heart and move through some of the ideas I'm thinking about and some of the funny stuff I'm thinking about. So I'm ready to go. You know, I've, I've made some notes. I'm, I've got the right mindset. And I'm like, this will be great. This will be my people. It'll be a small room, couple hundred uh friendlies and we'll fucking do it so i don't want anyone to really go with me uh except for jerry stall he's uh he's a guy that uh i trust uh my insecurities and my uh my darkness with so i i figure he'd get off on it and i trust his opinion about what goes down so jerry's gonna go with me he comes over we head out from my house down to dynasty and i noticed you know we're going down fucking um glendale boulevard where the fuck do you get off? Yeah, all the way downtown. And we're about, you know, five, ten minutes out, and my tire is going flat. I can see it on my dashboard with the little thing. Air is going out of the tire quickly. And so we get we pull up to Dynasty. They have a driveway in the back with a gate on it. And at that point, that there's no air in one of my tires. So I'm fucked. I've got a flat. So that's, you know, I'm heading into the hour trying to get in the right mind and I get a flat. So we pull up to the gate and right as another car had just pulled into a space that wasn't a space right next to where I got to pull in big car, luxury car. I want to say a Cadillac. I'm not sure. Maybe it was a, it was a, it was a big car. And I'm like, what the fuck's this guy doing? What is he doing? And you know, he was, he wasn't even a space. I had to kind of pull around him to get in the driveway and then walk out to the front of dynasty to get someone to come open the gate and I got a flat tire on the back tire, and it's 7.30, showtime's at 8, 
And I'm like, what's up with this dude in this car? It's just a big dude just sitting in the car. I'm like, is there going to be fucking trouble? And, you know, I, I get out of the car to, uh, to sort of deal with the gate. And then this guy gets out of his car. He's a big dude, like classic, you know, East Coast looking big dude. Uh, older dude, like Italian, like old school looking big dude, like an Italian looking guy. And I'm looking at him thinking like, what, what are we doing? You know, he's smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, what, what, what is happening here? And he goes, oh my, you, you're him. Mark Marin, it's Mark Marin. Mark, you're Mark Marin. Oh my, oh my, my wife loves you. She's online right. Hold on a minute. He's calling his wife. Oh, oh, hey, baby, Mark Marin's right here in front of me. Mark Marin, come out, come over and meet him. You want to meet my wife, right? I, you know, I thought you were an asshole, but she loves you. You're not. You're all right. Mark Marin is here. I'm like, oh my god, how is this happening? How is this guy going to be in the room of love? How is this the guy? Why is this the first thing? I, I got a flat tire, and I got this guy here, and he's calling his wife. He's like, oh, you want me to call AAA? I got, I got gold. I got AAA gold. I'm like, take it easy, man. I'm going to deal with the tire. I'll call him. It's no problem. My, here comes my wife, Mark Marin. You want to? Pick I'm like, holy shit. It's a scene in front of the theater in, in Annie Hall. I'm here with two guys. I'm with the cast of The Godfather. With the, two, I'm standing here talking to two guys named Cheech. It was one guy named Cheech, but his name wasn't named Cheech. I forget his name now, but he was very excited for his wife. So his wife comes. I say hi, but I got to deal with the tire. And Jerry is at this point, like when I come back to see if the guy's going to open the gate, he's already trying to sort of edge away from the situation and walk towards the theater. I'm like, where are you going? And the guy's like, I called AAA. I'm like, hang up. Don't call AAA. I'm going to take care of this. Hang up the phone. And his wife goes, come on, honey, hang up the phone. Let him deal with it. Don't make a big deal. I'm like, please, please go in the theater relax, you know, just let me deal with this. And he's like, you're sure, Mark, I can take care of it. You know, I build buildings. I'm a, you know, I'm building a high rise down on Pico. I, I'm the contract. I'm like, all right, all right. I got to, I got to get ready. And his wife's like, come on, he needs to get ready. I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck is happening? I got a flat tire. They open the gate and, you know, and I'm like, do I call AAA? I don't want to fucking wait for AAA. I don't want someone out here waiting for AAA. I got to deal with this, man. So I just fucking empty my trunk and I get the jack. I got a spare in there. I fucking pull the tire off. I put the fucking spare on. It's now 740. Uh, the, the big guy has gone into the theater. I go into the theater. I'm sweaty. I'm dirty from changing a tire. I don't know what the fuck is happening. But all I know in my head is that like, look, man, I don't believe in God shots. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in a mystical order to things, although occasionally... I'll be sitting upstairs in the room upstairs looking out the window and a hummingbird will just hover and look right at me, right inside. I don't know who that is. I don't know if the bird is like, look, man, you're all right. Where's the fucking, why don't you fill up the feeder? Who are you? I don't know if that's my my dead girlfriend sending a message. I don't know why that my biggest concern is like, look, man, I don't want to perform for meatheads. I don't want to fucking, you know, have to worry about that. I just want to open up and do my thing. And this guy shows up and I get up there and I'm like, I got to do the job now. All I'm worrying about is I don't want that guy to fucking start talking in the middle. Like, here we go. This is, what are we doing? But this guy loves his wife. His wife is, you know, is my fan. But I am all I'm worried about is like, I don't want this guy making a scene. So I get up on stage and I tell the whole story of what I'm telling you right now. I guess it was a, a, a territorial thing. Like, I am like a professional. Don't fuck with me. This is my space. This is what I know is happening. So you got something you want to get out? Let's do it now. I just gave you five minutes of my time. I made, told the story. Got some good laughs. I know you're in here. Are we good? Nothing. 
great. I've established my territory. Now let's do the show. And it made me lean in, man. It made me fucking step up. It made me do the job. I'm like, you know what? I'm an entertainer. I've pride myself on being a club comic in a lot of ways. I can make anybody laugh. What am I worried about this guy? And I did an hour and 25 minutes and it was a lot of great stuff. Definitely a nice foundation for the work I need to do. And it gave me, uh, it made me realize that, you know, I'm ready. You know, I'll go do those clubs and well, you know, I'll have, I'll have enough to talk about. I don't know why I didn't believe that. I, I, I go on Instagram live and do it an hour and a half wandering around my house with my goddamn cats, Buster and Sammy Red, Shmuley and Booster. But then after the show, I go outside and this guy's in this non-parking space. He's standing there as I walk out. He's got two flat tires. Someone flattened both his tires because he was parked wrong. He's like, if you want to come see the the high rise, I'm like, I get it. I get it. I'm I'm good. I'm good. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Did you call AAA? She's calling him. Can you believe it? Two flat tires. And I'm like, I can't, man. Hey, it's nice meeting you. And I got out of there. I got out of there. It was quite a night. But uh, but it felt good. It felt good. It, I don't know if anyone cares. I don't know if it's relevant. I, I need it to be relevant to me. And it felt that way. It felt like we there's things to do. There's places to go. The world that is my world, the world of people that give a shit about my world will enjoy what I have to say. I can't speak for all the other worlds. So many worlds, people. So many fucking worlds. Right? So Danny Trejo on Monday and John Swab today. John Swab also in recovery. Got a bit of time. And it turns out these movies he made, both of the Running with the Hunted, is that what it's called? Run with the Hunted, I think, and Body Brokers come from you know, his direct experience. And it's, it's pretty devastating and pretty dark. And this is a dark tale, but he is sober and he does seem grounded. And, uh, you know, it's a hell of a story, Oklahoma story. But I was, uh, I was thrilled to talk to him. This is a heavy recovery week. Big recovery week here on uh, on uh, WTF. Some dark tales that uh, that end up okay, man. There is hope. There is hope. You can get off it. You can stop it. I just talked to a person yeah, I kind of know, but I kind of grew up with. They have a drinking problem. I mean, it's something so common. There needs to be an open dialogue around it. But you can recover. You can change, as uh, my two guests this week speak to. Body Brokers is now available to buy or rent on digital and on-demand platforms, or you can watch it on Cinemax starting tomorrow, July 9th. Uh, He's got a new film as well coming out with most of the same cast, Melissa Leo and the crew. Ida Red uh, begins playing on the festival circuit in August and will be coming to theaters later this year. Uh, You know, I didn't know what to expect, and and I was glad I talked to this guy because I really... I think that the work he did was was important. It certainly sh- shined a light on something and sh- certainly uh, humanized a very uh, dark, uh, uh, the dark world of addiction, but also the, the very dark world of um, recovery scamming. So this is me uh, talking to John Swab. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure 
of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. What are you doing here? Just come in for a thing? Dude, I came in, you know, I've been listening to this show a uh, long time. Oh, really? Dude, I mean, nine years. Wow. So. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, of course. So when um, he told me, I was like, well, I'm going to the garage, man. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do, uh, you know, because all the interviews I've done for this movie have yeah. been, you know, virtually. So I was. Well, you know, I've been thinking about the movie. I've been thinking about Tulsa. I watched the other, one of the other movies, the one that was easier to find. Uh, run with the hunted I watched and uh, I couldn't find the other one the other one seems to be harder to find the other one I think has been uh, yeah it's been it's been pulled from the internet uh, because of Marilyn Manson or what uh, I, I'm not certain but around the same time that it, that happened it, it really yeah yeah it's called let, let me make you a martyr let me make they you a martyr they just pull it they don't alert you like I, you know you're part of this and uh, I uh, you know the company that we did that deal with, uh, I have some issues with. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, you know. Huh. Um, so. Yeah, well, I mean, so where do you live now? I I live in Woodstock, New York right now. Oh, wow, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. How long have you been up there? I've been there about six years. Really? Yeah. Did you buy a farm? No, no, I, I, I wish I could afford <laughs> you're a not farm. You're not living in an apartment, right? <laughs> no, I live, uh, I live on a, you know, in a nice house on a piece of land, and I actually just... But I'm, I'm, I'm bought a house in Tulsa, where I, where I'm from. This going week. back, going back. I do a lot of work there. You know, a lot of movies and uh, yeah, and I, you know, yeah. I mean, I uh, I don't have any sense. Like, I grew up in New Mexico, driven through Oklahoma. Right. I've only talked to a couple people who are actually from Oklahoma. I talked to Wayne from Oklahoma City, right, Wayne right. Coin, sure. And then I talked to a, a Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, yeah, love that guy. Yeah, yeah, one of the one of the great Oklahoma Jews. Yep, one of the five, <laughs> and I, one of the five. I know the other four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And uh, you know, I know there's a rough history to it, but I, I you grew up your whole life in Tulsa uh, until I was 18. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is that? What did your like? What was your family there for generations? Uh, you know, I was just getting the history from my grandmother about all this. Really? Yeah. So they were in Missouri before that, right? And God, people uh, wanted to leave Missouri even then. I guess, yeah. I mean, it's still, still, it's still rough. <laughs> yeah. um, and they moved to Indian Territory, mm-hmm. um, and she doesn't know why. Really? Yeah. Her, I mean, her grandparents? Her, her grandparents, yeah. And she was giving me the, I mean, two days ago, I saw her, and she was telling me all this. It was really interesting. Yeah. And, and, um, and yeah, so she's been there ever since. Wow. Um, and, the Indian Territory part sounds interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And I guess we're, we're native, uh, or, or portion thereof, but- by whoever, I guess it was my great grandmother. Yeah, didn't sign the scrolls for fear of being, you know. Uh, what do you mean the scrolls? Like so, what? I, apparently, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna botch this, but uh, right. you know, if you signed the scrolls, we'll call them. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you basically are on record as having, you know, Native uh, American person. Yep, and right. you can get free health care and all these kinds and of casino things. Casino money, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, free health care and the casino money. Exactly. Yeah. The the new perk. Yeah, the American dream. Yeah. But so you don't know. You got no proof, is what you're saying. I don't have any proof. You got, you're not going to be able to produce your movie with any of that yeah. weird casino money. No, no. But if you did know, what tribe do you think it would be? A uh, creek is what oh. I've been told. I can't imagine, like, just talking about it now, the expanse of all those people and where they ended up is horrifying. And you can feel the weight of it, though, there, can't you? It's it's heavy. It's yeah. Very, yeah. Like in Tulsa, I imagine just, the, you know, on the streets. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, Tulsa's an interesting place, um, and, and I've grown to realize that, the, you know, the longer I was away from it and now the more I'm there um, and older, there's a lot of history there. Um, right. You know, what draws you to it still other than, like, hey, there's that store I used to go to? Uh, just work, you yeah. know. I mean, I, I, we, I've made, I guess, um, five movies there now, and um, so you got two in the can that aren't out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We just wrapped one in Montana, actually, that was not shot in Oklahoma, but that uh, one's called Ida Red. No, that one's coming out this fall. Yeah. Uh, we just shot a movie called Candyland, which is about uh, lot lizards, oh. uh, a horror movie, oh. and uh, that comes out. I don't yeah, know. When. I, I was hoping it was about the board game. Uh, it's you know. <laughs> <laughs> So you got Melissa Leo in the new one too again, huh? And Ida Red, yeah. 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 I love that woman. Well, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. What's that movie about? That movie is about it's kinda like, you know, once after we got done with Body Brokers, I needed to kind of uh take a break from mm. the the social responsibility of a movie like that. Yeah. Where and and you know, I love uh seventies uh you know, crime cinema yeah. and just kind of an homage to, you know, uh, Straight Time or, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. The Getaway or Peck Oh, really? I love Peckinpah. It's I kind fucking, of- I'll Peckinpah all day long, man. Yeah. I used to do a yearly Peckinpah film festival. Really? Yeah, but I'd, I'd go all the way back to like ride the high country and wow. go all the way through. Just so, just watch them. I love them. I love the, uh, like, uh, I can watch Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. That's my, my, my favorite. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, where he's just talking, Warren Oates, uh, talking to the talking head. Talking to the head. Oh, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just flies buzzing yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. That movie's crazy. Yeah. And I watched, uh, what do I like? I, th- I think my least favorite one. I even watched, I hadn't watched The Killer Elite in a long time. And like maybe since I saw it with my dad or like when I was a kid. Sure. I watched that again. It's much better than I remember. Right. And I don't watch Convoy. Although they shot that in Albuquerque when I was a kid, and I went down to the Hilton Hotel to see if I'd get autographs from the people in Convoy, because it was one of those weird, everyone was in it movies. Sure. And I ended up uh, meeting Ernest Borgnine. That was a big day. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. (laughs) My favorite's Getaway. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, great. It, That's it, great. Steve McQueen, I just, uh, I can't get enough of that I guy. talked to Sally Struthers about it. Wow. Did you listen to that one? No. Because that's the one she's in, right? She plays yeah. the veterinarian's wife. And, and we talked about that dude, that guy who was in The Godfather. Yes, yes. What's his name? I wish I could remember his I name. I can't remember, remember his, his name, name, but I can't forget his face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, she, you know, she talked about that scene with him. And that he was, that was a great character. Yeah. He played the Turk in uh, yeah. Solozzo in The Godfather. Right, right. Those guys that were around, those players. Yeah. You seem to be trying to build a little crew. Uh, you know, I uh, I like working with people I like. You know? Yeah. And it's it's fun to make movies, especially the the, the size of movies we've been making. Um, you know, it's much easier if if the people. You know, our friends of yours, you know. Sure, yeah. yeah. So, like, in Tulsa, we, uh, uh, you got brothers and sisters? I have a, I have a little brother and a little sister, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You're the oldest one? I am. And your folks are still around? They are. And what, they, what's that, what do they do? Uh, my father is a uh, 
uh, a, a criminal defense attorney now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So well, what do you mean now? Like it's uh, a new thing? He, you know, used to, he used to be on the other side. Uh, you know, uh, so when oh, I was oh. a kid, he was uh, part of like the a prosecutor. Prosecutor for the state. paying his dues. Yep, paying his dues. And yeah. then they just flip over and try to get people off. Yeah. Well, you know, you what have enough kids, and you thing. need to, you know, yeah, make money. I guess. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And what's your mom do? She's uh, she's an artist. You know, like what like painting? All sorts of stuff. You know, um, video stuff. When I was a kid, it was you know she was. Doing photography, doing painting. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, was, yeah, yeah. My mom was like that too. Yeah. So like that. So there is a. I guess I have to, and I think most of us have to not um, make assumptions about Tulsa. You're telling me that like I'm getting the sense that there's some, uh, you know, kind of sophisticated, intelligent, creative people in Tulsa. Uh, yeah, there is. There is, yeah. and you know, a there's lot a of community. Th- there's a com- there's a community. Uh, yeah. And I guess that's changed a lot since um, since I was a kid. But yeah, it seems to be kind of building a bit of a community. Yeah. Is it like, do you feel that uh, people are like coming back? Do you feel like that it's on the verge of a some sort of a resurgence? I, I don't know about a resurgence. Is Tulsa going to be the new Austin? Uh, you know, I think they'd like to. They, that's their pitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I know that. You know, uh, since the pandemic, uh, specifically, I mean, tons of people from you know California and you know they're moving. I think Texas, California. Um, or Texas, New yeah. Mexico, and Montana have seen like you know crazy amounts of people just moving in from the east and west coast. Yeah, uh, I missed my shot. I grew up in New Mexico, and right. I was kind of holding on to this idea, like I'm going to buy a house in New Mexico, but I could never really follow through with it because, like, what am I going to do there? Right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I want to live there. Right. But it'd be nice to have a house there, but then how how much time am I going to spend in there? And like when I go back, I'm like, okay, so I'm home. And what am I going to do here? Right. But you're going to be sitting around writing scripts and putting yeah, shit I mean, together. Yeah, my my wife loves it there. Your so. wife is in the movie. Isn't she, it? she she's, she's in, in Body uh, Brokers. She's in a lot of my movies. Yeah, but I, oh, she's in Body Brokers. I'm yeah. trying to remember what she play. She plays the girl in the treatment center um, with Melissa Leo. She's crying and telling you about her daughter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so she's, she, but she's got that great part in uh, Run with the Hunted. Yeah, yeah, she's as great. the woman that the guy saved. Yeah, yeah. When so, he was a kid, and she's in Let Me Make You a Martyr. Yeah, uh, she's in Candyland. She's in a great band called the Bobby Lees. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's so that's what she does. Yeah, you guys got kids? No kids. Is that going to happen? I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't want to pressure you or anything. <laughs> but let's talk about like Tulsa in terms of like because I'm glad I watched the uh, Run with the Hunted because you know I it was one of those movies where I don't know if it was intentional or not. I don't know what is intentional. On, on behalf of directors, but like I realized this morning that you're kind of playing, you know, uh, the like because I couldn't quite understand the kind of Oliver Twist nature of the thing, you know, in terms of uh, you know the setup, you mm. know, like there's mm. like a, a Fagin and there's all the, but then it wasn't really that, and then I realized because of the reference in the movie that you're kind of playing the the neutered Essie Hinton uh, uh, sense of childhood against the realities of what that childhood uh, becomes sure sure i is that on purpose i I think uh yeah i guess so yeah um and that was uh beautifully put you know um because he's reading se hinton and it's clear that like you know when you get into the grid of what those kind of lives become 
you know, kids who were on the streets for so long. Right. And then, like, his little crew, they all seemed so innocent, even right. though they were supposed to be criminals. And I don't know if it was just a matter of, like, who you could cast or who you found where you shot it or what it was, but it definitely felt like those kids came out of, like, the outsiders. Right. And, and Michael Pitt's character was, like, you know, a hardened fucking monster in right. a way. Right, right. So, like, and he was reading S.E. Hinton. Right. So it was sort of, I, I realized... Because when I'm watching, I'm like, you know, you could be a kid and watch this with your parents if you wanted to. Right. Though it doesn't end well. You don't like, you're not a Hollywood ending guy, that's for sure. Right. right. <laughs> it's more of a poetic ending. I guess, yeah. Poetic justice ending. Yeah. Uh, that was my first movie I made sober. Um, so, you know, I came out of, uh, you know, the, the, the depths of everything and wanted to do so much in one movie. And, you know, I think... There's a lot of things I was trying in that movie, and and some worked out better than others, and uh, and I'm really proud of it. But it's it's definitely a lot. You yeah. Know? Well, I think that like whether that was intentional or not, it was sort of interesting to me right. that there were these two worlds, and I didn't really realize it till this morning because when I was watching it, there was part of me that was like, well, is he trying to sort of like get kids to watch it? Like there there was a tone to those kids where it almost felt you know, kind of like designed to help kids. Sure. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I mean, I was really, at the time, fascinated with the idea of, I really wanted to make a kids movie. Yeah. Because I grew up, like, you know, uh, Outsiders and Rumblefish were filmed where I was from. So Holy I had, shit, I, Rumblefish. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's that I, I prefer that to the Outsiders. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, so I had this weird attachment to these movies, and I wanted to tell half a kid's story, and then... You know where do you think it's going, and then take it the exact opposite direction, and and <laughs> right, you know right, right. turn it into this other thing, yeah. and uh, you know, so yeah, I think your your my analysis, analysis of it did my it was critique? great. Yeah, critique was great. Yeah. Well, yeah, because what you're you know what 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 becomes what becomes different is that you know there there's usually some sort of lesson you know in those movies, and you know, and some. People go down, but not that hard, right? <laughs> right. But but in your version, it's like you know, here are these kids, and like, us uh, like the you know, in the scene in the truck, and just the whole play of like, you know, what is Ron Perlman? I mean, I'm generally speaking, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I've talked to him; he's a lovely guy, he's and hysterical, he's, yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. a great actor, and he yeah. has a hell of a presence. But like that character was like. There's moments where you're like, is this guy really fucking evil? Yeah. But I thought the script was great in that, you know, it didn't let on a lot of stuff. It kept it mysterious. You didn't know how dirty people were. Right. So I, I liked that. And then I started to wonder, okay, Tulsa, you know, how much of an influence was Larry Clark on you coming? You know, Huge. He was, I mean, I-, I uh, That was the hero? That was the guy, right? That That's was, the Tulsa guy. Th there's, there's a few Tulsa guys, yeah. um, but he's kind of the, you know, uh, I guess the black sheep- of mm. of the Tulsa guys, you know, um, literally, I think, you know, well, those, well, just the the, the book of photographs. Yeah, I mean, because I I was thinking about that. I was wondering because because um, Michael Pitt was in Bully. Yep, and like, and then I don't know what happened. That guy, you know, he sort of disappeared. It was good to see him. I didn't even fucking recognize him I when know. I was watching him yeah. in your movie. Yeah, uh, because he's a good actor. 
And He's I, an unbelievable actor. Really. Yeah, it no, yeah, really is. Yeah, and also you know who I like is the guy who played the uh, the dirty dad in that movie. Uh, oh yeah, Brad. Brad, yeah, Brad Carter. Yeah, Brad that? Carter. Yeah, like I've seen him and stuff where you're like, oh fuck, that guy. He's, he steals business. any scene he's in. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but it did remind me that there is a you know the, that you're kind of tapped into uh, a lineage there. So you know because you go back to kids with the Larry, you know, mm-hmm. which is Larry Clark's other movies. He's made a few, but really. The book Tulsa is is a menacing kind of impressionable book. It's um I remember when I first saw it I was a, I was a kid. Right. Uh, yeah. And and you're like, wow, it's, it, it's about my city. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but it changed me. I remember, you know, there's movies like that that I saw that changed me. Um and just realizing, you know, I knew what a camera was, but yeah. I didn't know it could do that, you know? It could go in those places. Oh, and yeah. uh yeah, I mean, uh Larry Larry's book is, you know, there's a couple of them, right? There's there's there's, a, there's Tulsa, and then there's the ones he shot in Times Square, right? Which and then disturbing. the teenagers, um, right? Teenage lust, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few others, but I think yeah, Tulsa was good. That, those, those just those pictures of that idiot who shot himself, you know, right. like in the leg. Right. And you're like, what the fuck are these guys? They're just sitting around shooting speed, right? Yeah, <laughs> hanging out with guns. Yeah, well, and I was like, that's Oklahoma in my head. Yeah, it's uh, it, well, you know, it kind of is in a lot of <laughs> lot of places, <laughs> you know, and uh, and I'm proud of it, you know, in a weird way, but um, because I'm I'm you know that guy and uh, you know, at a cellular level, but um, I think. You know, people don't realize how big of an influence Larry was on pop culture or, you know, cinema oh, yeah? at large. You know, just with those photos. I mean, you know, uh, Scorsese, you know, yeah. references them. Um, yeah. Paul Schrader does. I mean, a lot of people that, well, that makes sense. you know. They, Paul Schrader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I love Paul Schrader too, man. I'm sure. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I do too. Like, you know, it's, these are these are dark men with yeah. problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I have that in me. I have that in me. Right. I, I have the feeling you went further out than I did. Right, right. Well, what what was your trip? How did you get all fucked up? When did that start? Uh, you know, same thing. You probably have heard a bunch. You know, where I just uh, thirteen, fourteen. Well, came out. You know, just feeling a little off, yeah. and uh, you know, just slowly. You know, mixed up along the way, you know. Got into the life. Yeah, yeah. But your parents seem like they were okay people. Yeah, so no, you, no they are good people. You know, I just think, uh, you know, when I was growing up there, yeah. it was a very um, kind of walled off place, you know. Tulsa. Small community, um, very religious. And uh, Did you grow up with the Christian stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So your folks are that way? Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I guess there's a lot of Jesus in Oklahoma. What, Dude, what, what brand? <laughs> Jesus, guns, beef, uh, yeah. uh, teen pregnancy. We do those things well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's good, yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, is that on the, the sort of the states uh, it, kind of like it, when you like? What about Oklahoma? Teen pregnancy, meat, <laughs> Jesus. Come on, come on down. Most of you are welcome. Yeah. We'll let you know if you're not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So how religious? Uh, the, 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 you, oh, me, and when you were brought up, uh, when I was brought, I mean, I, I went to some Catholic school for a little while. Oh, so it's Catholic, not Baptist. No, hmm. no. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's a pretty just religious place. You know, now I am not, uh, I'm more, I guess you yeah. could call spiritual or whatever, sure, you sure. know? Um, so that means how, how long you've been sober coming up on six years. Oh, yeah. pretty fresh still. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So uh, how bad did you get? Pretty bad. Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Like uh, a lot of different things, mostly booze, or did you get like out of your mind? No, it was it was mostly uh, 
Speed. Uh, junk. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, junk, speed, crack. Oh, crack. Yeah, crack, oh. crack really. Uh, that's good, man. When I met that, that you know, it was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Wow, yeah. just sitting around with that pipe. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Waiting 15 minutes. Yep. And going again. <laughs> going again. <laughs> Hell of a life. What'd you do today? That. Yep. All the way into the night. Yep. And then you come down with the dope. Yep. Oh, you had a system. Yep. <laughs> yep. Landing gear. Yep. Landing gear, you called it. Yeah. That was my that was the gift and the curse of my cocaine days is I, I didn't have a connection for landing gear. Yeah. And I wasn't really a dope guy. <laughs> so like, you know, it was just me sitting around, you know, with my heart pounding, you know, jerking off for nine hours <laughs> to see if I could come down. Uh, but the lack of landing gear, I think, is what got me uh, sober more quick. Cause yeah, you lose, yeah. You lose your mind quicker without, no, no, the without landing, landing gear. Yeah, the landing gear kept me out there, you know, quite quite a long time, yeah. <laughs> well, you look pretty healthy. Uh, you know, I've, been, I've made some changes recently, you know, diet changes. Oh, really? Like, yeah, you know. So you, you were eating shit for five years? I, I, you know, just not. I was eating a pound of bacon uh, for the first year of sobriety, you know, every day. A pound? Yeah. Oh, that's not that much. Yeah. But it's You good. wouldn't think, but it adds up, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's one of those things where you first get in sober, people are like, hey, man, as long as you're not drinking. Exactly. Do yeah. whatever you want. Right. And you're right. like, well, what can I do with that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a million things I could do. There's bacon, porn, yeah. gambling. <laughs> this is great. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bacon. I, I hadn't thought of that. What well, did you get your- uh, how are your numbers? How's your blood numbers? You know, I went and did my blood. Uh, I guess it was a year ago, and yeah. they, they pulled it out, and they were like, "This is like motor oil. You need to you need to change up everything. <laughs> like stop the bacon." You know, so, yeah, so uh, you know, I've, I've, I've you know started exercising and all that, and I feel much better. Yeah. Well, so. God, you got through that five years, man, and that like that's hard. That's hard. Like I I know you know dope guys like a lot of times they can't quite do it, so they end up just figuring out a way to to you know kind of chip along not with dope but I mean a little booze or weed whatever yeah, I tried all that you know can't yeah, do it. it just doesn't work for me yeah because yeah, yeah. you want to go back the other exactly <laughs> yeah it's like what am I doing here yeah so you were driven by it sounds like in the same way that, that I am like that your heroes were these dark characters that somehow uh, you know, managed to survive I was thinking about that today you know about these there's certain guys that just don't die mm-hmm. you know and then there are guys that do die but anytime you're if your hero, especially if your hero is a you know some sort of outlaw or some guy who's living out there on the fringe creatively, and they don't die, it's I don't think it's good for us. <laughs> I think it's like sometimes when they because I was thinking about like you know even like Bowie, you know I I, I can't remember the last time I, I bought a Bowie record, but when he dies, you're like, oh man, got to buy everything, yeah. Well, or just that yeah. like I can't believe he died. What do yeah. you mean he wasn't that young? He was sick or whatever. But right. there's something about those guys dying that implies our own mortality right, right right because we don't know it right but we kind of expect those guys to live forever sure right so it's just sort of wild that the the drug heroes a lot of them are still fucking kicking yeah what did you think of schrader's last movie um what was it the priest one the priest one i mean i i enjoyed it, it you know people really loved it yeah. i didn't i didn't love it like they loved it yeah. i'm i'm more partial to like hardcore oh, you yeah. know and yeah. like the old uh i just watched that again recently oh man that uh, one get it's like it's crazy. Yeah, right? I'm a huge Peter Boyle fan too. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, when yeah. he shows up in the diner and and then the guy, you know, when he's in the in the theater watching the video, I mean, it's it's a great with who George C. Scott. Yeah, it's a with great, like his hand yeah. one, I mean, like, over one eye. Yeah, like, I mean, ugh. it's uh, and then when he plays the director, yeah, and puts on that. Mustache. Oh man, it's awesome. Yeah, like that was going to end well though. That's one of those movies where it's like, is that a good ending? Yeah. 
Well, you know, I mean, I think that's what was so nice about movies back then is that they just ended like that. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, and, and now you're like, what? Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and, and nowadays, I mean, it's it's a problem if you end a movie like that. You know, I can tell you firsthand, like people don't, they don't want that. You know, I mean, there's all this Marvel shit out there, and everybody wants everything. Sure, but even the smaller movies, you know, are like it's it, it, it takes a certain amount of fortitude, or, I guess, or courage to put them out there. It's easier to put them out there, but I guess the mainstream audience. I guess what we're learning is. And there's a lot of people that just want to feel better right. or want to avoid life. Right, right. So they really cannot understand why you would put a movie out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that makes them feel worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which are my favorite kind of movies. Exactly. You know, you know like. Well, they're honest. There's <laughs> yeah. an honesty to them. Like, I mean, come on, man. Like, the end of um, of Run With The Hunted is, is sort of like a poetic thing. You know, that movie, I learned more making that movie than any other movie I've made. And- and one of the reasons is is because when Michael came, we didn't we had shot ten days, yeah, and we didn't have that character to play, you know, play the the older version, uh, Michael's character. Okay, so Michael finally agreed, and he came to town, and he wanted, you know, we, we ended up rewriting the script for like two days together, and so a lot of that portion of the movie was uh, I wouldn't say improvised, but um, but more instinctively made on the day. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wasn't as precious about the script there as I was with other films. So I, I don't think it was something that I really set out to do months before in these, the movies I, I I'm, I'm realizing more about myself, each one I make, but, uh, you know, with body brokers too, they're, they're kind of all about a cycle, you know, mm. and, and, you know, she's driving off into the, into the night he's there and now she's kind of, you know, assumed responsibility for these boys mm. and, um, you know how he assumed responsibility for her when uh when oh i kids. see so yeah. that was the idea yeah 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 i don't know if i put that together like i mean i guess we should tell people what it's about it's about this these two kids who were like 13 years old and they were neighbors and and the the boy had a, a sort of stable family and this girl not so stable to the degree where you know her father was this drunken incestuous pig so then you know the 13 year old boy you know saves or well kills the the old man and then splits and grows up on the streets under the tutelage of some modern day fagans <laughs> pretty much yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 there you go and then she goes to find him right like he's reported missing and stays missing and lives a life of uh, crime and she goes to find him and then does find him that's well that's the story so the idea is that she's got to take care of those four kids I, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't know that like after it was done that I registered that, you know, like, yeah, I guess what does happen to him? There was part of me that sort of like, I thought he was just going to say like, okay, you guys can run free now. <laughs> <laughs> he says something similar to that, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, but, yeah. But is that like, is, was that shot in Tulsa? Yes. So is it really that sparse? Because there, there are definitely long, big shots of open road there that didn't look like you had to close down the roads. It's, it's, a, no, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, you go out at like. You know, ten, eleven at night, yeah, and there's nobody on the streets. You know, it's right. it's there's something really nice about that. Yeah, that I find. You know, I love to go out and walk in the yeah. night and nice or scary. Well, a, yeah, yeah, both. Now these guys, like, because I I was talking to my producer, I was I was telling him it's like, so when you reach out to them, because I've been reached out to sure about movies, sure. So usually it's sort of like, how long, how long do I got to shoot? Sure, how many days? Right. And that sometimes if the script is good, because I imagine, I know Melissa loves your writing and the writing's so good, so these guys want to do it. They don't know what's going to happen with the movie. Right. But usually it comes down to like, if it's a week, I'll do it, right? Yeah, some people, you know, it's it's funny because 
others would would prefer more time. Yeah. You know, people like Melissa, she's like, I won't do three days, but I will do seven. Right. Even though it's the same amount of material. Just, it's right. just, oh, like, just to keep, make sure she does a great job. Yeah. And, you know, we just did a movie and, and, and it was the same thing in Candyland uh, where the guy wanted extra time, yeah. same amount of money, you know, and it's, I, I appreciate that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, you usually assume, you know, as, as, as little time as possible for most people, you know? Yeah. Um, but, now, The Body Brokers, which is, you know, the movie that got us here, like, now, you went to rehab? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many? <laughs> I, I lost, I mean, tens. Oh, really? Ten plus. So you were one of those, it took a while. <laughs> it took a bit, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So you you know that life, you know that experience. Very well, yeah. And you just kept going back, though. Yeah, well, you know. Did you get court-ordered? No, no, you just you just couldn't fucking. No, it's it's not even that I couldn't. It was more so like you know I lived, uh, you know, somewhere between on the street and then kind of wherever I could find for so long that in Tulsa. Uh, no, in uh, I mean all over uh, Los Angeles, uh, New Jersey. Really, uh, what yeah. was that part of the life? Just you went you, like you were you just went to these different. So you left Tulsa. And before you had started making movies, right, obviously. Right, right, right. And you went to New Jersey. No, I went to, um, I guess I went to Colorado for a little while. To do what? Sell drugs. Oh, okay. You know, got involved in uh-huh. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I came back to Oklahoma. And when then- you were like 18? I was, I was, yeah. 19? 18, 19, 20. And then I went to Chicago for a little bit. To? Um, you know, I got a, I got a scholarship to a, an art school there. Uh-huh. Um, I applied, my, you know, put yeah. together a portfolio or whatever, and I, I spent, you know, I got about a cup of coffee there before I checked myself out. And, oh, really? uh, <laughs> and, and we had big plans, I'm sure. It, yeah, yeah. going to do it right this time. Do man. it right. It's going to be great, yeah. you know, and um, and tried to kick dope up there. Didn't work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, got On it. your own. Yeah, on my own. Yeah. yeah. And then I went to Los Angeles and uh, San Diego, and it just got worse, worse okay. and worse and worse. And, and then I, what's the New Jersey part? Uh, so... I was when I was making the first movie um, and a short film before, um, a guy and I were working together, and and he lived in New Jersey, uh-huh. so we would go and and you know spend some time up there. So yeah. it got it's worse in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, it got really bad there. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you weren't you were incapacitated, not doing anything. No, I mean I was you know um, I was selling I was selling things to yeah. to, to make my habit yeah. uh, you know to keep maintain a habit yeah. and. You know, it just got really dark, you know? Wow. Yeah. yeah. You're a lucky to be a live guy. Yeah. Yeah, def- absolutely. absolutely. Well, it's interesting that you were able to, like, that somehow or another your 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 talent or your desire to create one out. Absolutely. And that, you know, you have, you, you're capable of it. Sure. I mean, like, that doesn't always happen, but I, I have to assume that has something to do with the fact that you are capable of it. Because a lot of people have dreams of doing things that get lost in drugs, but there's no indication that they could have done them anyways. Right. So when did you know that you could? When did you start doing creative work? Uh, when I was like 14 yeah. or 15, um, I started painting. That was my first thing I did. Because your mom was a painter. Yeah, yeah, and I got into it. And um, Did you have a feel for it? Yeah, I was, I was actually, I was pretty good. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I did. I you know eventually did pretty well with it, but uh, you know I, I I took a painting over to this woman's house. She owned a salon. She said how much, and as a joke, I said eight hundred dollars. Yeah, and she went in the back and gave me a check, and I was like, I'm just wow. never gonna work work again in my life. You know <laughs> what a racket. So, yeah, so you know once I got a little taste for that, it yeah. was uh, 
you know, it, it kind of stuck with me. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've never not, um, I've wanted to do what I'm doing yeah. for as long as I can remember. Where did you, you know, get the chops? I mean, when did you, did you go to school for filmmaking? No, no. I mean, I've just, you know, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. And, well, I mean, but how does it start? Uh, you yeah. know, I started writing um, a, the, what I thought was a script, but was more like a, you know, a, some terrible novel. Yeah. Um, and when was this? This was when I was in, uh, you know, 14, 15. Yeah. And, um, you know, I... Uh, kicked it around, tried to figure out how to make a movie, finally decided, okay, well, this movie all takes place in one day. What happens the day before? Yeah. And so it was like we decided we'd make a short film about the day before. Huh. And and so that's what we did. And, um, you know, that got me a taste of, okay, this is how you make something on a smaller scale. But who'd you get in touch with? Were these just guys you were hanging out with? Yeah. It was, I mean, you it was, it, what'd you shoot it on? Uh, we shot it on an Alexa. You know, uh-huh. we got on a, you know, Craigslist and met some people yeah. and put some people together. I met my wife. She was an actress. Uh, she she auditioned for this and was in the, the, the short film. This is when you were in L.A.? No, this was on New Jersey. Oh, Jersey. Yeah, and um, and we just put it together, and in three days we shot a short, and I remember just the feeling I had of making something in the process of filmmaking was uh, it was addicting to me, you know? So. And did you uh, enter it into things? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, you can... You can. It actually ended up. It played like uh, in Khan's uh, short programming uh-huh. section, uh-huh. Um, which you know um, didn't really do anything for me. But uh, but w- what we did was is we rented out theaters around the country, and we got in a car and we drove around, and we would paper the town and just try and get people to come in and see our short film. And you know, what, how long was it? It's twenty. I think it was 23 minutes. And that was the whole evening for those people? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, you know, some people showed up, some people didn't. Uh, and yeah. either way, we'd tell them what we were trying to do. And finally, we went back to Tulsa, and we had a screening, and we packed the house, and it played, and people were really freaked out or disturbed. And then the What next, was it about? It was about a an abusive father yeah. uh, who is um, kind of taking advantage of his daughter. Yeah. And- uh, the bro- she has a brother, and he's trying to get her out and get her to run run, run away with him. So this is sort of like uh, you broaden this theme and yeah, run with that. Yeah, I theme. worked this theme out. Yeah, I yeah. worked it out. And um, so you know, the next morning I got a call at, at about six a.m. and it was this guy that I'd, I'd known, you know, from a kid I knew, his dad, and he said, "Where are you? And uh, can you meet me for coffee?" Met him for coffee, and he said, "You know, I saw your film, and I'd, you know, how much money do you want?" And I told him, I like two hundred grand, and he was like, "Great, to make your next movie." Yeah, great. Let's make the the feature movie you want to make. Yeah. And so you know, we started <laughs> started prepping it, and that's you know what we did. And uh, I can make you a martyr. Let me make you let a martyr make, now. Yeah. So what's that movie about? Since we can't find it um, anymore, that movie is about the brother of this girl. Um, he comes back from being uh, out of town. He's been gone. Oh, I see. So this is what you mean by the day before. Right. So it's six years later, and he okay. comes back to town. So you had this this other story planned. Yeah, this this feature I had written, you know, been writing for, uh, you know, since I was 14 years old. Yeah. Okay, so the short was sort of the pitch. Yeah, it was the pitch. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and some guy took it by just by coincidence? Uh, no, I mean, he's not a film guy. You know? but, but you invited him to the yeah, screening. We just, you know, that, I mean, we had done I think ten screenings, ten cities. Uh huh. Looking for money. Looking for money. Okay. Looking to meet people. So okay, so you were inviting you know, specific people. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end, it was just like anybody that'll come and watch the fucking thing, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and this guy showed up, and you know, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity. You know? So, what happens in that movie that we can't um, see? Yeah, so, she he comes back to save his sister to right. finally get her. He's ready, and um, it basically all takes place in one day of of kind of him coming back to his uh, his old life and having to reckon with all of these different you know problems that he left and messes and the dad and him end up having uh you know kind of squaring off a little bit you know you would think yeah yeah, yeah. so the dad's involved in crime and stuff is and that he, marilyn manson the uh, marilyn manson is the hitman that uh the father hires to kill his son oh yeah yeah um i haven't talked about this movie in a long time so i'm having a you're helping me uh formulate my pitch yeah yeah so who played the dad uh mark bone jr Oh, so he plays a heavy in that one. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, he's great in that movie. He's, he's yeah, he's one of those guys that I've been seeing around for years. I can't even remember the first place I saw him. But he's around. Like, he's always sort of around. I feel like, you know, I, I, I don't think I've met him, but I think I've seen him somewhere. He's he seems like a guy who's... Awesome guy, man. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. got a... Like, he seems like he's got a past. He's a real guy. Yeah. He's he's one of those people you meet in this, and he's like, you could sit and just have dinner with him and have a great time. It wouldn't feel any... Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. he's a real guy. Yeah. 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 So, so that was that movie, right? And what happened to it? You didn't, you didn't get a distributor, or no? We did, we yeah. did, we did a distribution deal. It got out there. It, it actually, you know, because of Manson, uh, a lot of people saw it. You know, a lot more people than I think we anticipated seeing it uh-huh. saw it. And, and what was the uh, feedback on that? It was it it you know amongst the whore and like kind of the cult folks. They loved the movie. So you you would classify it as a horror movie? No, I wouldn't. Um, I would classify it as like. As like a pulpy drama, okay. You know. Um, now, do you like the horror movies? You know, I I do now. You didn't grow up with it. Though. No, I didn't. I've been you know kind of going back to when we just when we did this horror movie recently uh, with Melissa. No, they, this one was not. That was uh, Ida Red was with Melissa. That's an action. That's not a horror. movie. Yeah, um, Candyland's a Candyland. Horror movie. Okay, and um, you know after Ida Red with Melissa, yeah. I, I started kind of binging on horror and got really fascinated with it and uh wanted to make a horror movie what is it about it you think i think it's because i can't lock in it's i find it it, uh you know when i grew up i was like it's campy it's not scary i don't to me it's frustrating especially if it's a thriller it's like get on with it yeah kill all of them what are you gonna do i agree and as a as a screenwriter what i what attracted me was how liberating it is because all of these things you kind of get penalized for uh, when writing a drama uh-huh. or a, you know a movie like a true crime or whatever you'd classify body brokers as, you're actually kind of uh, you're rewarded for with horror, like the campiness, like things being weird or not tying up, or like there's kind of this freedom. To, yeah, I to, get it. You know, yeah, I get like because I don't have any muscle to appreciate it because I know like um, like what's his name, Rob Zombie. You know, does these sort of kind of like way over the top, right. pulpy, right. gross out horror movies with some of the original kind of B movie weirdos, right? It, and it's sort of like a you know a John Waters trip, but only with horror. Absolutely, where you know there, I guess that there is a camp to horror, uh, and not I mean like a campiness, and I, I I think I just I can appreciate it, but I'm not sure I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it took me making. Uh, you know, four movies before it to appreciate the simplicity of it. So, what do you want to do with it? What did you do with it that you hadn't done before in these other movies? Because, like, it's like, I, okay, so like, you get to a point, and we can talk about Body Brokers in a second, where 
you know, these two movies that explore stories about drug abuse, incest, exploitation, you know, uh, death by one's uh, own compulsion, uh, that I guess that, that horror after a certain point is sort of like, I want to make a funny movie. <laughs> Pretty much. Absolutely. You know, uh, like I can cover all those themes, yeah. but we can have a little more fun. Yeah. Well, you know, so after we made the last one, Ida Red, um, yeah. my producer, Jeremy Rosen, and I kind of had a talk, and it was like, okay, what are we going to do now? Because uh-huh. I make all these movies with him, and, and we're partners in these things. And I said, I had this idea for a horror movie. It won't cost us a lot of money. And it would be much, it would be a big departure from whatever I've tried to do. Yeah. And, and so that was what was cool about it is it was kind of like going back down to square one with the amount of money we had and you know we got all our friends in it and it's more of a slasher John Waters yeah vibe yeah. than like a straight up you know just run of the mill horror movie right. so it's it's uh it's about truck stop hookers oh, yeah. and cults and you know yeah you know Tulsa the, Tulsa exactly <laughs> So there was something really liberating about not having a lot of money and trying to tell, to tell, uh, you know. Well, that was always the, the case with those movies, I right, think, right. generally speaking. Right, yeah. Right? That's, what de- that's what developed that genre Absolutely. of B-horror movie. And that's, and that, honestly, that's what, you know, like you said, make a comedy. It is, this one's a comedy to me. I think people are going to find it extremely disturbing, uh, my, right. my humor, yeah. but, uh, but it's... It's really, really, I'm proud of it. We're I get it. it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that I would have thought about it like that until I just had this conversation with you. Like, I always knew that there was a campiness to horror, but the, but the ridiculousness of, of some horror. Right. You know, just the amount of blood. Right. You know, the amount. Sure. Right. <laughs> right. It's, I think it serves the same purpose uh, to a certain type of person as, as comedy. Right. Right? Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with the body brokers... Like once you realize that, um, and I think I talked to Melissa Leo about this, about like, well, it's about the 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 scams that that people who owned rehab centers, the business built around Obamacare money that was afforded any recovery program that would establish itself as a recovery program, mm-hmm. and the guys that ran them were were usually funneling money. Uh, you know, through through junkies, through uh, uh, testing, through turning junkies back out to get you know them back in, so they could get the money. It was a big. There was several different layers of scam right. that you know basically took advantage of the hopeless drug addict. Right. Right. So I was just curious in 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 the making of the movie. Um. What was the, what was the decision making process? Was there a conversation around whether to have the narrator or not? Uh, there there never was. Um, it was a, always there. It was always there, and that was the toughest part of the movie for me. Is again, you know, this is a, a huge sprawling thing. Um, that how we, do you get all those scams into one movie about one guy? Exactly, because you know I, you know, before I sat down to write it, I thought about it. Okay, without the the narrator, what is this? I don't think it really dips its toe in even. You know, I mean, you can you could just Oh, follow, I see. You, you needed the explanation. Yeah, you need to kind of provide all of the uh, color commentary and fill in, you know, the gaps of, like, how big this actually so, is. Right. So, there, so you've got this sort of, like, um, chipper Satan right. talking yeah, about right. the golden age of being able to uh, game the system sure. at the expense of junkies' lives. Right, right. Okay, yeah. Right. So that's a tone. 
Yeah, it's a tone. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how else to tell the story without, like, having, you know, being able to provide all the facts along the way. Right, because you wanted to cover all of them. Right, and I couldn't even cover all of them because we only have, you know, two hours or so whatever it is. When, but when did you get hip to that? Like, what? why did that become a thing for you? When you were in rehab, did you realize it? Did you hear about it? Did you know what was going on? Were you uh, being used in that way? All of the above. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, for me, I, it didn't take me long when I went to rehab to realize that it wasn't, uh, they didn't have the best intentions for me, hmm. you know? Um, really? Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of these places are uh, have, have you know, private funding or, uh-huh. or run by hedge funds. And, uh-huh. and I feel like, you know, hedge funds and people's health and well-being are, uh, you know, if they're yeah. not at odds in, in, in initially, they eventually will be, you know? And, right. you know, the bigger these places grow and the more money that's at stake, the more corners you cut. And um, cutting corners, but like the whole part about like you know relapsing, you know we're bringing relapsers in on purpose right. to run money through them. Yeah, I didn't know about that, but I got a buddy who I bounced it off of, and I because he works in these in that business, and he was like, "Oh yeah, all of it." Oh. I think he knew the guy that you based it on, maybe. Maybe I mean, there's a few of them. He might know one of them. Yeah, um, out here. Yeah, there's yeah. So you know, I the first time I really got hip to it. Um, I was in New Jersey. Yeah, uh, I was uh, kicking dope, and I was really fucked up and in a bad place. And uh, you know, I, I I googled on my phone like drug treatment centers or yeah. whatever, and I didn't even click on anything. But somehow they just get your number uh-huh. and they start calling you. Oh wow! And so you know, I kicked for like three or four days. This guy called me and he said, "Hey, you know." Would you like to come to treatment? You know, and yeah. I was like, yeah. I mean, I guess, sure. And yeah. this is like the Michael K. Williams character. Yeah, this is like the guy in the in the call center. Oh, the call yeah. center guy. And right, so right, he right. he calls me and he's like, you know, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm I'm ready yet. Whatever. He calls me back again the next day. Yeah. Keeps calling me. Yeah. And eventually he, uh, I'm like, you know, fuck it. I don't have any money. I can't get any more dope. Yeah. I'm I'm ready to go. And um, so the next time he calls, I'm like, hey, I'm ready. And he's like, all right. Well, how long have you been clean? or off drugs and I said about about five six days and he's like okay well you can't show up and piss dirty or piss clean if you piss clean we can't take you yeah I was like all right well that's a problem yeah and he was like no it's not just go to the Western Union I'm gonna send you some money for the cab to the airport how much is it I was like it's like 60 bucks yeah like okay he's like go now and I'm gonna buy your plane ticket yeah so I go to the Western Union there's a thousand bucks in the Western Union and uh and so you know a thousand bucks a thousand bucks yeah so I call him and he's like yeah you know just get to the airport and make sure when you show up, you, 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 you know, test positive for. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, so I, he said, use the money to get high. Absolutely. And then get on the plane. And then get on the plane. He didn't say that, but that's what I mean, you know, that's what he was saying. So I, I called a cab. The cabbie took me all around town. I got everything, saw everybody. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, he, and then he drove me to the airport and I'm just slamming dope in the back of the cab the whole yeah. way. I yeah. get on the plane. I fly down to Florida. There's a guy waiting for me in a car. Yeah. I get in the car and he's like, hey, so do you have anything on you? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, this isn't a trick question. I just need to know. And yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And he's like, all right, we'll pull off. So we pull off at this little, you know, quick stop or whatever. And he's like, you want a 40? Like, and I was like, yeah, sure. So he yeah. grabbed me a beer <laughs> and I just sat in the back of his car and, you know, was slamming dope and drinking, <laughs> and, a beer? And drinking a beer. And then he took me in and dropped me off. And so that was like, 
blatant, like a blatant example of how corrupt these places had so gotten. So for that thousand yeah. bucks of investment, he was able to run uh, taxpayer money through you into the system that he was working for. Right. To, to the, in the number like thirty five, forty thousand dollars more. Yeah, prob- yeah, probably more. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and you knew, so how could you not know there's some sort right. of scam to it? So then to make matters worse, I'm there. It's a terrible place. It's a really dirty, you know. In uh, Florida. Yeah. It was, it was a really rough place. Yeah. And, uh, and I called a buddy out here in yeah. Los Angeles and I said, you got to get me out of here. You got to get me out of here. Yeah. And he's like, uh, and, I, and I knew he worked in treatment and he was like, well, I can give you a guy's number who can. Right. So I talked to this guy and he's like, yeah, we can get you out here. You know, uh, once you complete the 30 days, we'll, we'll fly you out here and you can stay in our place. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, do you have anybody out there that would want to come with you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, uh, <laughs> I'll pay you a thousand dollars per person you bring from that treatment center to mine. So Re- this all really, yeah. Really? So, uh-huh. you know, I got to hop in my step now because I'm like, you know, I go back into the, the cafeteria and I'm yeah. like, hey, man, you want to go to L.A.? You've been to L.A.? You know, like, you're a funny guy. You could be a comedian. You want to go to L.A.? I'll introduce you to everybody. <laughs> you know, and so I got about six people to go with me. Really? Yeah. On the it, same plane? No. So I flew ahead and yeah. then the next week, once they completed their time there, they went too. And I didn't know that this was wrong. You know, I just yeah. figured like, oh, you know, we're all going to Los and Angeles make, And together. you make $6,000. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the best of both worlds. So I did that. And once I got there, um, it, out to out here, and, and they showed up, and I kind of started to realize that this was like a real thing that was going on. Because, you know- One of the scams. Yeah. One of the scams. Yeah. And, um, you know, I ended up going back out with my $6,000 and getting high and, yeah. you know, taking myself on a little, yeah. you know, a tour. And then um, I got sober later. But, you know, after that, um, I had been sober for about three years and I came out here to visit my wife when she was working. And I talked to one of my buddies who ran a treatment center and he was like, you got to sit down with me and hear how, how crazy this has gotten. And I was like, I have no interest in getting back into that, I, I you know. I'd really done a good job in running a clean program. I didn't want to be around anybody who was involved in it. Yeah. And I ended up going and meeting with him eventually, um, went to a meeting, and then afterwards we sat and talked, and he broke it down for me, and he called some people and had them come over and tell me what was going on, and I couldn't believe it, the amount of money and how this thing had kind of mushroomed into this real cottage industry. What was the doctor scam again? So the doctor scam is, um, you know, they will basically... You know, so if you're an opiate addict yeah. uh, or alcohol, yeah. um, you can get a chip, like an implant put in you, oh, yeah. um, which will block the receptors to your brain for, oh, okay. for you know, yeah, 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 dopamine yeah. or whatever, sure. uh, or, uh, you know, uh, opiates. And, yeah. um, and um, so what they would do is, is anybody, you know, they would take anybody. Yeah. They'd go on the street and just pick up people, you know, homeless people and say, hey, we'll give you 300 bucks. You want to come in? You get this thing put in you. Yeah. And then, you know, a week later, we'll take it out of you. And we'll pay, uh, you know, give you 400 bucks all in. So they got the money for the surgery, which is at a cap. Right. And they would just use these people, pay them out, and still make right, a because, profit. Right, because they're making, you know, $20,000 a surgery. Right, right. Um, so, wow. So that that was the whole thing. And, the, doctor, and these are all desperate, sick people. Oh, yeah. So they're easy marks. Easy. Because they don't give a shit. Easy. I wish somebody had asked me back then to yeah. do it, you know? Because yeah, yeah. I would have done it. I would have right. been like, oh, you know. And now, so that's what, so this is what your movie that you're trying to, to encompass all of this through this kind of, you know, through these this series of characters. Like the Michael K. Williams character in that movie, obviously not as, you know, demonic as the main guy. Sure. Played by that guy. What's his name? Grillo? Frank Grillo. Frank yeah. Grillo. Yeah. Like, he seems like a real guy. Like, he seems like one of the guys out here. Frank's amazing. Yeah. 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 
but but like he's the real Satan. Yep. Right. So and 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 Michael K. Williams is just a dude who's making a personal compromise, knows what's up, and he's working the the system to make his own money. He's a contractor. Right. Right. For the devil. Right. Yeah. 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 And then like the poor kid, uh, Val Kilmer's kid. Is that who it is? Yeah. yeah he's a good actor. Yeah. He's great. He's yeah, great. he gets sucked into it. Yep. But like, yeah, I thought that the way he played it, which was like almost void of any real character or personality in a way. Right. Just a like a naif kind of, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And, uh, and that was intentional on uh, in yeah, casting. Yeah, yeah. No, because, no, I know. Yeah. Because he's kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the girl was a little monster. Yeah. But, uh, the, but like, I again, with... You know, and how you characterize your own experience, and then the end of that movie, like it, it can't really end another in any other way. But it's pretty, it's pretty raw, man. Right? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Yeah. What, what do you mean? How how is that not going to be raw? Well, you know, with the guy I, splitting. That's the one thing that people don't realize is this: like, you know, anytime I don't want to ruin the ending. But, you know, when that shit goes down, there's usually more than one person in the room sure. or in the car. Absolutely. There's always somebody. There's always split. somebody there. That's right. Yeah. That's like, right. And, and take the dope. No, I've been that guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. It's rough, man. You know? Um, that kind of decision, you know, like moving a body outside. Just, you know, yeah. it's something that if you're if you're going to choose to do that for the only time. If that's time, your life. If that's your life and, and for a period of time it was mine, you're going to run into that kind of stuff. People are going to go down. Especially with fentanyl out there now. I mean, oh it's, my god! You, know, you, were caught, you were there at the beginning. Of that. I, at the beginning, I remember the first time I saw somebody go on fentanyl, and, uh, and it was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. Yeah, what yeah. happened? It, you know, they don't know it. Well, I've seen people, unfortunately, uh, you know, move on when they're shooting regular dope. Yeah. Um, but with fentanyl, it. It was like a demon was leaving this person's body. Like a con- he turned into a contortionist and started twisting and writhing, and it was like he was trying to fight for whatever was left in him to stay. Ugh. And it, and he clenched up, and then he just went limp and fell out of a chair. Did he know that was what what it what it was? I, neither of us knew. So that was just in there. It was just in there. And, oh my uh, god! You know, and, and it's and that's where you had maybe thought for a second. Yeah, maybe I'm not going to take the hit. <laughs> no, I mean yeah. honestly, you know, the sickest part about it oh, is like, it yeah. must be some really good dope. Right. Well, know? that's I always mean, the case. You know? yeah. yeah. Like he did too much, or he didn't do it right. Or, right. Yeah. yeah. If I just half it up. I mean, that's you know. It's... Well, yeah, that was always the thing in New York. I remember realizing that. Yeah. Any time there was like a, when it was all the China White in the uh, late '80s. That when it was around, if people started dropping dead, all the other junkies are like, where are they getting it? Well, that's true. I mean, yeah. and there was a joke in New Jersey when I was there where, you know, junkies would watch the evening news. To see because it would say, you know, today in whatever county four or town. <laughs> yeah, four overdoses. And then the next morning, everybody would there be, be there for the morning <sighs> shift, you know, to pick up. That is crazy. Yeah. So it's free advertising. You so know, you just, saw, like, you know, you really saw, you were really in the shit and saw that stuff and kind of... It must have like whatever you had to process once you like got hold of sobriety must have been heavy. Yeah, I think so. But um, were they close friends? Any of them, or just people that you knew in the life? I, I know I've known a few close friends, um, but the people I saw were not. You know, they were just you know yeah. running buddies that right, I right. you know. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. People you saw at the place where you yeah, did or thing. you know that guy. You know, he and I ran around for like three weeks together. Right, right. and then that sure, happened. Sure. You know, um, wow, man. So did you ever meet Larry Clark? No, I never did. Now, he's still alive, you know. But uh, yeah, it seems this, like you got to meet. Him. I, I talked to him. 
I listened to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, that was hard to. It was hard to wrangle that one. But I, I think yeah, I, did I, right. I, I, I was, I was there with you. you yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was very excited for that one. It was a yeah. tough one to keep in bounds, but um, but I'm a I'm a huge fan, man. Yeah, I'd lo- I'd love to. It's so interesting, like guys like that who have the there's so much hustle to them. Yeah, you know, so like you know, you got you know the real story, and then you got the hustle, and right. then you got the hustle that they're pulling on you. Right, right. You know, like well, he's it, a pro, man. I mean, that's like you know, yeah, he's the real deal. You know, uh, this life that we're talking about, yeah. and you know, and he's been around a long time. I was actually the other day looking uh there was a few photos of from Tulsa for sale, and I was, you know. I was, oh, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they, he must have done editions of that. Yeah, yeah. I think I've got a reprint of the book. Yeah, I, I just bought a first edition. You uh, did? Yeah, but, you know, I wanted to buy My buddy has one of the original prints, and uh, and I want one. Um, How much did it go for? Like 20? 20, yeah, 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 yeah. Which seems reasonable to me. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was really thinking about it. I don't know, I got to get it, you know good paying gig and i'll buy it for myself but uh, yeah, yeah man yeah. you gotta you gotta go meet larry too yeah i don't know where he's i think he's in like europe or something is he yeah. i have no idea yeah. those guys are like you know they're they're, they're always taken care of by right. a, a strange contingent of uh of money you know and and weirdness <laughs> you know they're like always like you know I, I don't know how they get around the world it's like bukowski you know it's yeah. almost always carrying bukowski. It's, it's true it's true you know yeah like yeah. in Europe, he'd go to Europe and they'd be celebrated. Right. Yeah. Right. Here, I don't know. Same with like Abel Ferrara. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same oh, thing. really? Yeah. Yeah, he's over in Rome right now. Uh, they they have these patrons, it seems like. Yeah, you know? someone takes it. I, I wonder if they're institutions or they're individuals or how it works, you know? Man, I, I, I wish I knew. Yeah. Well, me, me might be one of those guys. You might <laughs> keep at it. You're gonna, you'll find out, just like you found out about the drug scams. Right. You'll find out about how one lives in Europe for a year on someone else's dime making a slasher movie. <laughs> That's what you're working towards. A big payoff. Yeah, yeah. Man. Things to work towards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what happens now with, um, you know, because, you know, I certainly like, put that movie out there a bit. And, hey, but you have any sense of. Uh, where it went so it's on HBO now though right it's gonna be yeah. in, in HBO rotation Max. yeah it'll be you know I, I don't really know what they're gonna do with it but I know that's where it's going now wh- how was now how did that deal work like when did that happen uh, it happened what's the process as a filmmaker so you make the movie who gave you the money for that movie uh, that was a kind of a hodgepodge of private equity a few companies chipped in it was a really hard mo- movie to get the money for yeah. Now, when you say you have experience with people having problems with endings, is that one of those things where, you know, when you're looking for money and you, do you show people that script? Yeah, I did. I did. And, and nobody had a problem with that because anybody I pitched on the script, uh-huh. I could tell this is my story. Right. I and mean, they couldn't believe the whole thing, you know. Right. Then, then you get to the end and it's like, well, I guess that's how it's supposed to end. But really the people that had problems with it, which was ironic, were the film festivals. Um, you know, because we were actually going to do festivals, yeah. you know, uh, before the pandemic hit. But the festivals that we, you know, were talking to were like, yeah, but it's just so dark at the end. <laughs> and it's, it's like, like, what kind of festival yeah, are you running? Yeah, it's is, like, is this a film festival? Right, you know, and, um, right. and so it was, it was ironic because, you know, most of those people have never made a movie themselves and, you know. Are, but it's so weird because that, to me, says that, you know, some of these festivals, I don't know which ones you're talking to, are so dug in in terms of who they attract. Absolutely. That they're they're playing to a certain audience. Right. right. You know, uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a it's a sort of a, a, a middle-class artsy-fartsy audience. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
that doesn't uh, they're they're just trying to keep their support as right. opposed well, to m- most of them uh, or at least the american ones have uh, have such you know, heavy corporate influence mm. that, um, you know, kind of shrouded in right independence, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, Why, one of our big, our big donors is a, is a drug rehab here in town. So we <laughs> can't really, <laughs> we're a little concerned about your film because we're getting a lot of money from uh, Hazleton. You know? <laughs> and now I'm, and I'm not down I'm not saying anything bad about Hazleton it was the only one that came to my head, been around a long time. I'm sure they're on the level. Yeah. From everything I've heard, they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're the, yeah. the old timey ones. Right. Okay, so you make the movie, you pick up a distributor for a bit, right? And then when, how does HBO get so, involved? So uh, typically, with a movie like this size, a lot of uh, distributors will want to have a TV partner. So okay. what that means is, you know, the distributor will put it out for three to six months, right? You know, on you know uh, Amazon, Apple TV, okay. all that for yeah, rent yeah. or buy, right? And then six months later, they'll you know partner with a TV person like HBO Max or a streamer. To then you know lease it for a period of like eighteen months or so. Okay, so, all right, yeah. So this is your time, I guess, on HBO Max. Yeah, yeah, this will be my time. Now, yeah. has you found that like we're after that one? How? Well, I guess it wasn't really out when he started doing Ida Red. How did you finance that? Same way? No, Ida Red. We had uh, two, you know, uh, reputable, well-known companies kind of come in and and you know wrap their arms because around. of your work. I guess. Uh, also, also the cast. You know, they really like the cast sure, and sure. Um, and the story. I mean, it's kind of a like I said, it's kind of a throwback homage to you know Peck and Paw kind of stuff, and that stuff usually does well. People like it. Yeah, yeah. And what about um, uh, Candyland? Candyland was all uh, was financed by two people, and uh, and Jeremy is uh, one of the the main people who put up the money for that because he believes in it so much. That's so, your manager, yeah, manager and producer. Yeah, the guy who's in my house right now. Yeah, the guy who's in the house. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a fucking a killer, man. Great dude. Well, I wish you best of luck with everything. It's great I, talking. To you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you we, so much. I think we covered it. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, the you know we got a guy dying on fentanyl. I mean that's you know that's, <laughs> <laughs> we you know we got we dug in. And that's what we found. Well, dude, thank you so much. Uh, and you played a big part in my recovery. Oh. You know, yeah. I mean, early on, you know, uh, attraction, not promotion, but sure. I, w- I would listen to your show. And I remember laying in uh, a detox bed listening to one of the shows, and you mentioned to the guy, you're a sober guy, right? Yeah. Me too. And you guys went on this whole thing, and it actually really, it helped, you know, because, uh, you know, it's it, it may be stupid or whatever, but people you know, like yourself out here doing... You know what I wanted to do, right. um, you know, doing trying, you know, doing this thing, being yeah. sober. Uh, it it provided, you know, some. Uh, you knew it was possible. Yeah, yeah, and it was. It really, it really, you know, it helped me. So being here means a lot, and I appreciate you helping out our film. We we need it. And, yeah, um, well, it means a lot to me too, man. Because like you know, kicking the life that you kicked is that that's that's it's a really hard one, and you seem good, and you know, just you know, stay on it and do what I can. Yeah, yeah, you look great, man. Yeah, I Thanks, appreciate buddy. it. Yep. Thank you. Man, heavy tales. That dope is no good, man. Hard to come back from the dope, but it's doable. John's movie, Body Brokers, is now available to buy or rent on digital and on-demand platforms, or you can watch it on Cinemax starting tomorrow, July 9th. Uh, The new film, Ida Red, begins playing on the festival circuit in August. Now let's play some music and get on with it. Get on with it. Get on with it. Thank you.
Boomer lives. Monkey and LaFonda and Cat Angels. Cat Angels, man. Cat Angels everywhere. Oh, they're coming down fast.